what, uh, what, what do you guys think about when you hear the word Sabbath? Okay. No, that's a good, that's a good thought. Yeah. And there's so many of us that uh, at one point or another, I feel like had to work seven days a week. I mean, or you have your mom that your work never stops, right? I mean, it feels like you never get a Sabbath. So uh, what else? What else comes to mind? Lydia? Okay. Yeah, so it's a, it's a period of rest, reflection, worship. Um, does anybody have any childhood memories or any sort of... Yes, 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 totally. Absolutely. That, my, that was my grandparents. I don't know what... I actually haven't done the research. I don't know what it is about the cards thing. That Oh, it starts from the gambling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no go fish in the house on Sunday. Not at all. All right, so the Sabbath is a word that is thrown around in church sometimes, but I think it's sort of shrouded in mystery, especially in American Christian culture. We don't really know what it is or do it, or some people do it, but if they do it, that's on their own time, and I don't really care about it. And today's passage in the lectionary is from Luke chapter 13, and Jesus is going to address a situation in which the Sabbath comes up. So if you want to follow along the screen or uh, pull out a Bible from the, the seat, uh, Luke 13, we're starting in verse 10. Around this time, he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, the Jewish day of rest. A woman there had been sick for 18 years. She was weak, hunched over, and un unable to stand up straight. Jesus placed her ha his hands on her, and suddenly she could stand up straight again. She started praising God, but the synagogue official was indignant because Jesus had not kept their Sabbath regulations by performing this healing. The synagogue official said, Look, there are six other days when it's appropriate to get work done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, you religious leaders are such hypocrites. Every single one of you unties his ox or his donkey from his manger every single Sabbath day, and you lead it out to get a drink of water, right? Do you care more about your farm animals than you care about this woman, one of Abraham's daughters, oppressed by Satan for 18 years? Can't we untie her, for her from her oppression on the Sabbath? As the impact of his words settled in, his critics were humiliated, and everyone else Love what he what Jesus said and celebrated everything that he was doing. What an interesting story. So the Sabbath, why is it significant? Is it is it significant at all? I think um, whenever I think about the Sabbath, especially being in Texas, I think of uh, sort of the legalistic rules, the cart, the no cards on uh, Sunday. In Texas, you can't uh, buy liquor on Sundays. Uh, and you can't buy a car on Sundays. So car dealerships are closed on Sundays. Um, so this morning I want to examine the Sabbath from three perspectives that we get both in this story and throughout uh, the Old Testament where the Sabbath is talked about um, really in, in depth and where it, the concept originates. And I want to look at it as liberation, rest, and resistance. And so I think it's important for us to, to start rethinking Sabbath as not uh, like a mechanistic uh, way of living in sort of a super pious, no card playing, no 
uh, car buying, no, uh, definitely no liquor buying, uh, if you're a good Southern Baptist like, like I grew up. So, uh, and then I think it has really extreme implications uh, for uh, the lifestyle of Americans. The Samsung Galaxy Note lifestyle. Uh, you know, you do a lot, but with Samsung Galaxy Note 7, you can do more. And the Sabbath brushes up against that uh, really roughly. When I was in, uh, I went uh, for a week to Marburg, Germany, and I, I think we got there on a Saturday night. And the first thing that I noticed waking up Sunday morning is that everything was closed. Absolutely everything. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing open, right, on, on Sundays. It's, it's gotten a little bit looser, I think. Right, yeah, they start closing on Saturday. And so I wake up, I walk out into these, uh, you know, nice, uh, really narrow cobblestone streets in Marburg. And there's not a, there's not a person, I mean, it's so quiet. It's unbelievable how quiet it is. And I think that's when I really started realizing how much, uh, you know, it, you can argue about whether you think government-sanctioned uh, time for work is bad or good or whatever, but it really got me thinking, oh, we don't practice Sabbath in America, right? Everybody works seven days a week. Everybody's, you know, goes out of here and they go to a restaurant, right, where somebody's working. Uh, and so we have to start rethinking, okay, what, what is Sabbath? Is it meaningful? Can we make it me meaningful? The idea, if we are somebody that works seven days a week, uh, if, what if I don't have a, a Sabbath? What if my day off, uh, you know, like uh, Julie and her parents, you know, their days off are Monday and Tuesday. Can I take Sabbath on Monday or Tuesday? So we'll really get into this. But uh, first things first, Sabbath, what does it mean? It's this mysterious word that we hear a lot. It sounds really religious. It simply means stop. That's all it means. It simply means uh, to cease, to stop, to break, uh, and it's a break in the system. And that's typified right by a situation where you walk outside in Marburg, Germany, and you notice like there's a break in the system. Things, society has has stopped. Um, so let's look at where uh, Sabbath begins. Is this form of, of liberation? We see in the Luke text that. Uh, Jesus simply goes up to the lady and he puts his hand on her. He doesn't even say anything. But then we know from the dialogue later in the passage that it is a message of liberation. He uses the, the analogy of untying donkeys. So where does this Sabbath as liberation come from? Well, it comes from Exodus 3, 7 through 9. And we've talked around this story in Exodus 3 because it is the central defining story of the Judeo-Christian narrative the release from Egypt, the people in Israel, uh, the people in, uh, the Israelites in Egypt being uh, released. So in uh, 3.7, God says this, I have seen how my people in Egypt are being mistreated. I have heard their groaning, their slave drivers torment and harass them. I know well their suffering. I have come to rescue them from the oppression of the Egyptians and to lead them to a land where slave, uh, lead them from the land that they are slaves and give them a good land, a wide open space flowing with milk and honey. The land is currently inhabited by the Canaanites, Hittites, so on. The plea of Israel's children has come before me and I observe the, cru the cruel treatment that they have suffered by the Egyptians. So go, I am sending you back to Egypt as my messenger to the Pharaohs, talking to Moses. And I want you to gather my people, the children of Israel, and bring them out of Egypt. Sabbath 
begins as this liberation movement from slavery, from oppression, into the wilderness, into freedom. So the Sabbath is a gift, first off. So it, it can only be received. It's, I think in my understanding of Sabbath previously, it was always something you practice or you take, but the Sabbath is a gift. You can only have it wash over you. So what happens? We know the, we know the story. So the Israelites are freed out of Egypt. They go out into the wilderness, and they are given a set of what? Com- commandments, rules, right? There's ten of them. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, so they get these ten commandments, and what's interesting, if you can imagine stone, stone tablets here, you have the first three commandments that reference God and God bringing uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. So the first three commandments are all in relation to how the people understand God in relation to how they had and were forced to live in Egypt. So you have the three commandments uh, that are all in, uh, here is how you understand your relationship with God. And then the fourth commandment is the Sabbath commandment, which is what holds all the commandments together, because the six commandments that follow are all how a person in the Sabbath, in the rest, then relates with their neighbor. So the first three commandments are how you understand your relationship with God. You take the Sabbath rest. Then the rest are how do you understand your relationship with people. So let's go through uh, Exodus 20. It um, says, But the seventh day is to be different. It is the Sabbath, uh, the one of your eternal God. Keep it holy by doing um, no work, not you, your sons, daughters, male or female servants, your livestock or any outsiders among you. The Eternal has made the heaven above and the earth below and the sea and all the creatures in them on, in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. So, you know, what they're doing here is they're incorporating the creation narrative with the rhythm of life that the Israelite, Israelites are to take upon themselves. Uh, Exodus 16, Moses says this, uh, Listen to what God has commanded. Tomorrow the seventh day is to be a day of rest a holy Sabbath dedicated to him. Bake or boil whatever you need for today's meal, uh, whatever is left over, keep it for tomorrow, it won't spoil. Then Deuteronomy 5, 12, really puts this into context with the Egypt liberation. You and your family are to honor the Sabbath by setting it aside for the Lord. Make sure that it remains holy just as I commanded you. You should do all of your work in six days. Um, My Sabbath rest is for all to enjoy. Remember what it was like when you were a slave in Egypt. Then overwhelming power, with overwhelming power, I brought you out of there, and that's why I've commanded you to observe the Sabbath each week. So it begs the question, if we were to understand this idea completely, yes, they were enslaved in Egypt, but what were they doing there? Anybody remember the story, what they were in charge of doing? They were brickmakers, right? They, they built they were responsible for building the city. So your worth as a person was what you could produce as a brickmaker. And whenever you could not serve that purpose anymore, you were discarded. So you were, you were a cog in the machine of the Egyptian uh, pharaoh in order to store up more and more and more for pharaoh. And that system of production is what God throws a wrench into and says, no, stop. I am restoring your humanity by offering this gift of rest to you. This isn't to be another form of uh, oppression, of, of legalism. You are to take this day 
and to remember that you are a person, uh, a human being, right, or not a human doing. So you are to rest in the word that I've spoken over you. So at the foundation, uh, this God of liberation is committing to a relationship, right? You may have heard the word covenant thrown around. So God, he starts a covenant with his people, and it's typified through the Ten Commandments that this is how you relate to God, this is how you relate to others. And so God is saying, I want a covenant, not commodities. You are not, you are not just what you can produce. This is about how you relate to others. So we can think of Sabbath as a way of uh, relating well with others. How do we understand ourselves in relation to the people around us and uh, creation? This brings us to rest. God mentions uh, in all of these that the Sabbath is a rest for all to enjoy. So God is essentially saying, God is not a workaholic, right? So uh, in my family growing up, I, I, was, I forget who I was talking with recently about this, but I've had to shake a little bit. I was talking to somebody about uh, sleeping in. I don't sleep in very well, and I've gotten better over time. Andrea knows this, but it took me a long time to sort of shake off uh, not having to always feel productive because growing up, if I wasn't playing in a, a baseball tournament, a soccer tournament, or uh, doing uh, like a cross-country race or whatever sports activity I was responsible for on Saturday, I was up at, five, at, at 7 on Saturday morning mowing the lawn or weed-eating or something because you had to be productive. There you go, Max. Get some ideas. So, you know, I had to be productive. And, uh, you know, this idea that, you know, you have to be productive, you have to be productive, you have to be productive um, is, is pretty ingrained, I think, in, in most of our uh, society. So uh, God says here that uh, God is not a workaholic by setting up this rhythm of life for, for his people and then basically saying that this is how also I created the world. So God is not a workaholic. And God isn't, isn't worried about um, creation somehow falling behind on the day that it's not working, right? It's not... Creation, the well-being of creation is not dependent on endless uh, efforts on our part. So rest. Where do, we, where do we find this? I think that Jesus picks up this idea of uh, whenever we think about the, um, not the letter of the law, but the, the spirit of the law. And that's what Jesus is doing in this Luke passage. But I want to look at um, this passage from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. You may, may have heard this verse. Uh, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon your shoulders. It might appear heavy at first, but it is perfectly fitted to your curves. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. When you are yoked to me, your weary soul will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus here is tapping into, he doesn't say Sabbath here, but he is tapping into that Sabbath spirit. Not necessarily maybe Sabbath as a day, but Sabbath as a, uh, a way of living that you embed yourself into. That we are constantly, in, in many ways, reminding us that we can find rest within, uh, within God. I was reading, um, there's, a, gosh, I think it's called the Zohar. It's a Jewish uh, mystic text. And in there, it, it actually says, uh, Sabbath is the name of God. I thought that was kind of an interesting um, side note. The uh, modern uh, famous 
Jewish author that has an amazing book. If you're interested in reading a book on the Sabbath, this is a book I'd recommend, and it's called The Sabbath by Abra uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel. And he says, uh, the Sabbath is the day on which we learn the art of surpassing civilization. Which brings us to our third point for today. Sabbath as resistance. So you have Sabbath as liberation, that it's rooted in this history of people being freed, freed from oppression. And that can look, you know, very different depending on who we are today. Uh, and then we have Sabbath as rest, something that maybe isn't a day, but it is a uh, state of mind, it is a state of being in which we, we put on ourselves, um, kind of like the, the idea of the yoke, putting the yoke on. But Sabbath is also resistance. Uh, Sabbath is a pause that doesn't simply refresh us, but it is a pause that transforms us. Um, so what are we, what are we accomplishing um, by saying, all right, we're, we're going to take this Sabbath upon us? Uh, and it, it has a transformant element to it. I, uh, I talk about technology a lot here because I think it is such a pervasive, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say problem in our society, but we are obviously addicted to technology. I am. I'm speaking from a MacBook here. Uh, I pull out my phone probably every couple minutes or so out of my pocket just to check what it, right? So they've actually done studies, right? So they've done studies that show that we get a slight dopamine response anytime we get a buzz in our pocket, which I just had one like three minutes ago. Uh, we get a dopamine response trigger whenever we uh, get a notification on Facebook, email, insert, whatever. And scientists are, are not quite sure how our technologies are shaping us. Right? We, we often think that we shape our technologies and uh, you know, really brilliant people are out there are creating interesting things that uh, we will one day carry around in our cars and our pockets and things. Uh, but our technologies are also creating us. And here's a quote that um, I thought was really um, relevant for this today. Uh, Despite our now inextricable reliance on digital communications, combustion engines, and synthetic chemistry, we are not at our core automata. Perhaps this is what our Sabbath should be, a day to turn off. We need to, better, to be better aware of our co-evolution with our devices. We make them, but they are remaking us. And in the worst cases, this can uh, lead to a chronic shallowing of the self. I've often been to a church, ga church gatherings where in a room full of people, there is virtually no one there. There are people in the room, but they have their Macs open, or they're gazing, um, focused on their Blackberries or their iPhones. This was written probably a couple years ago. <laughs> they are mentally elsewhere. Indeed, it is these spaces, fictional or real, that I have most understood a new type of serfdom. We are not surfing the net, it is surfing us, S-E-R-F-I-N-G. Emails are delivered immediately, and they must be dealt with now. News can be accessed in real time and must be kept abreast of. The hundreds of my social networks can be told what, am I, what I'm doing right now and now, and need to be, they need to be told now, lest I get left behind. The result, we have no time for the other, not while we must quickly chomp down our chicken and salsa wraps. The project of building and maintaining a myriad of digital fantasy selves 
simply leave no time for it. Can I get an amen? But isn't that so, I mean, it's so true. That's just the 24-7 Samsung Galaxy Note. And it's so interesting that in, in, in our country, busyness, right? This, actually, the name of that commercial is called Busy, Busy, Busy. But what are they saying? Busyness is a virtue, right? They're, they're playing on that American exceptionalism, but also simultaneously championing it as the Olympics are playing, as something that we are really, really good at. And the Sabbath does not buy into that system. The Sabbath says, stop. The Sabbath says, uh, you're not a human doing. Um, another quote from Abraham Joshua Heschel. The solution of mankind's most vexing problem will not be found in renouncing technological civilization, but in attaining some degree of independence of it. Right? So when we're throwing this in with the technology discussion, we're not saying, oh, we're just going to like, you know, smash our iPhones up here in a second and then go out, live out in a farm together. Right? We're not saying that. But that we have to find ways, we have to find rhythms of life as modern people to stop. We have to find healthy ways of being with each other that say, all right, deep breath, who am I? And who am I in relation to the world around me, my community? Am I so caught up with uh, either a digital self or just uh, a work self? I mean, our work involves um, so much of our attention. And whenever we uh, they've also done studies that show whenever we go home from work, usually what, we're getting emails from work, and if you're like me, I cannot let an email, like, you have that little, like, one, two counter on your email app, I cannot leave that unchecked. It drives me insane, and I probably need to get really a lot better at shutting my phone completely off, because that is, just simply for me, probably the only way that I can not deal is to turn it completely off because I know that like counter is probably like over there just like picking up right I think it's interesting we you know Sabbath is resistance because it's not simply rest some people say uh, well you know Sabbath is a good time for for me to rest and then I am recharged for the week and I want to be really clear the Sabbath is not does not exist for us to be more productive workers it's not, it's not something where we're resting up so that we can then go participate in the market economy better, that we could go keep buying things and buying things and buying things, uh, or working, working, working. Uh, the Sabbath exists. It's already there. It's already given. It, it, it exists, and it is something that we have to figure creative ways to live into that space and time. Uh, perhaps we, for us, that's not thinking that as one day. Maybe that's thinking of these little moments, uh, maybe after work where we shut off our phone, or whatever the case may be, we have to get creative with it. Um, the Sabbath is not so that we can recharge our batteries. You don't have batteries. Okay, you don't have batteries. People always say that. I don't recharge my batteries. You're a person. You don't have batteries. But you can see how this technological language is so pervasive in our society that sometimes we attribute, uh, you know, qualities of machines to ourselves. Uh, Sabbath is a deliberate interference, which means we have to be, we have to be in, a little bit intentional about finding this space. Uh, I want to close with um, 
uh, a quote from this prolific walker. Has anybody ever heard of the walker? He's a walker. That's not a weird word to say out loud. Walker. He's like, seriously, that's all he does. He walks. So he uh, passed away a few years ago. His name was Sebastian Snow. Really weird, eccentric fella. He was the one that actually first discovered the source of the Amazon River. And then he, he found the source of the Amazon River in the 1950s. He answered an ad in the New York Times to do this, by the way. It said, no experience required. And he signed up to find uh, the source of the Amazon River, found it, and then kind of lived the rest of his life in obscurity. He tried to walk from uh, Tierra del Fuego to Alaska, and I think only made it like 9,000 miles of like a 15,000-mile journey. But anyway, so this guy was really good at just being. He walked a lot, and a lot of times by himself. And this is what he said happened on one of his long walks. By some transcendental process, I seem to take on the characteristics of a shire, the horse. My head lowered, resolute, I just plunked one foot in front of the other, mentally munching nothingness. And what an interesting picture for us, for, from someone who is the extreme opposite, right, of what we sort of know as the busyness culture that we live in. This is a guy that just spent, it was said that he spent his last 20 years just living by himself. No one knew where he was. Um, you know, the Sabbath is, is not a turning off so that, like I said, we could be a more productive cog in this machine. Uh, the Sabbath is something that frees us from the machine completely. Um, maybe you don't want to walk 15,000 miles alone, but we can find creative ways to stop and think of Sabbath as just that, stop. This, this breakage in me being caught up in things that need to be done. To receive the gift of Sabbath this morning, a gift that has already been given to all of us. It doesn't need to be seized or accomplished. It's not something that we have to do. It is a gift. So how might you find space to mentally munch nothingness. Uh, maybe there's a day or a half day where you can unplug. Maybe it's a full weekday where you could uh, engage with your neighbor or give back in service in some way. Maybe it's simply a walk with your spouse. Maybe it's a long meal with friends. Uh, and this morning I want us to take uh, a few moments afterward just to pause and reflect on this, to kind of for a moment practice what we're preaching here, to pray, to listen, if you have a pen, maybe you can write down some ideas of how we can uh, better live into this divine stop. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for um, just your gift of rest that you have baked into the foundation of creation. A, a moment of silence for us to realize that we are people, that you have created us as um, people that are dearly loved by you. And with that love comes not a production value, but an inherent divine value that we all share. May that word wash over us and transform the way we understand our relationships with other people. Maybe we're more patient more willing to listen. Um, we pray that if we are 
demands in our life are, are so busy that um, we don't have a day off. Give us the insight and the creativity to find moments of rest whenever we can, whenever we can find them to, to bask in, in your love. Um, so in this time that we, we pause for reflection, Fill us with your insight. Um, we recognize that we're we're not we're never done listening. Uh, but we want to be attentive people to who you are in our lives and uh, attentive to this gift that you've given us. Um, may we use that gift in, in really creative and amazing ways.